How do you get two coworkers with wildly different personalities to flex their style and work more successfully together? Plus, I'll give you a boss script that's a polite and effective way to ask people to get to the point. That's what's happening now on Boss Better Now. You're listening to Boss Better Now. This show is sponsored by Joe Mall and Associates. Now here's your host, speaker and author, Joe Mall. Welcome back, boss heroes, to the show that's like one-way therapy for bosses everywhere. I mean, of course, I'm not qualified to administer therapy, and obviously what we do here isn't nearly as helpful or important as actual professional therapy, but nevertheless... We aspire each week to be a source of advice, humor, and encouragement for bosses everywhere. So if that's why you've joined us, we're glad you're here. Please welcome my co-host, executive coach, HR advisor, and poet, Suzanne Malowski. Hey, Suzanne. Hey, Joe. I'm super stoked to be here today, and I noticed you put a poet. I'm not sure I'm so much of a poet, <laughs> but I do truly respect a good iambic pentameter or heroic couplet. Look Every at you. once in a while. Yeah. Wow. Yes. I remember learning about those different yeah. ideas or Me concepts too. in like English class in seventh grade, right? Does that sound about right? It does. And that's when you said poet, that's what came to mind. I'm like, that's all I got. Yeah. That's all I yeah. got. And a little um, poem I wrote about band camp uh, ah. in, on my sophomore year. It's pretty cool, but it's probably only cool to a small group of of people and individuals. So, do you still remember the poem? Well, no. Oh, okay. But I did type it out. I see. I see. So you've yeah. done. So when we pick this fun little third thing that we're doing in your yeah. introduction, sometimes it's true, yeah. and sometimes it's just for fun. But like for real yes. today, it's true. You're a poet. There's a little bit of trueness in there. Do you love that? I love it. Well, thank you for playing along. I am so excited about what we've got planned for the show today because I feel like so much of it is kind of real-world situational stuff that a lot of our boss heroes deal with. And we're starting today with an emailed question we got from Melissa. Melissa writes, I have two employees. One is an introvert and type A and likes things just so. This person needs to be prepared and is very disrupted by change and distracted easily. I have another employee who is very extroverted. She is loud, energetic, and she doesn't take direction very well. She's told me she has a lot of anxiety, and I've recognized that she needs a different approach over the other employee who is more introverted and more like myself. Anyway, these two butt heads, and they don't pair well with each other, but I need them to work together. How do I get two different people with two different personalities to find common ground? Would it be best to talk to them individually and say, hey, I need you to be mindful of this other person's needs? Do I ensure that they work together on an activity so they can find some of that common ground with each other? Do I put them both in a room and say, listen, we need to learn how to get along? How do we overcome these barriers that we encounter with each other? How do I get some communication going? Joe, I think of my dad who raised sheep and would tie the bucks together until they got along. Haha, <laughs> of course, this wouldn't apply in this situation. Thank you for taking the time to consider my question, and I hope that other leaders have encountered this kind of situation. And that's signed by Melissa. I loved the sheep reference, and I think you're right, tying those employees together is probably not a good first step. <laughs> but, you know, we got a lot going on here in this situation, Suzanne. Where do you want to start? 
Well, I would like to start with the fact that, you know, with Melissa's hope that other managers have encountered the same type of situations. And absolutely, we could come up with a myriad of examples where those personality or communication styles really cause a gap or, you know, can conflict or even confusion or misunderstanding. So, yes, you're experiencing what every boss experiences mm-hmm. and you're articulating what's important that they learn how to handle. You got, you got yeah. to figure out how to do this because it's going to keep happening. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. This is, I think there are probably thousands of fellow bosses who are just nodding along as I read that email. Yep. For sure. You know, I think we're probably going to end up giving you lots of different kinds of advice here, Melissa. And so my general disclaimer when we get a question from our listeners uh, is to tell you that, A, we obviously don't have all the information about what's going on here. So we're just kind of riffing and responding to some of what we're picking up in what you've asked about. Uh, And the second thing I share with our listeners is... I would never suggest that we know what the right answer is. Often when we answer questions like this, it's about exploring options. I wonder if you tried this, or maybe have you thought about that, or is this an angle to consider? And so I want to put that out there right from the jump so that people are aware of that. In Melissa's case, it feels to me like She's probably started trying to fix some of this stuff, but it's all kind of rolled up in these personality differences. And and I think for me, I think Melissa tried to set up in this email that these two are opposites. But for me, some of what she described isn't opposite, right? It's it, it, it might be a little bit of introversion versus extroversion, but you've just got some different styles here. Mm-hmm. And so my first piece of advice that I would give Melissa is – Start small, get crystal clear on a a micro behavior or two that you would like to see changed. Is it how one of these people asks the other for support? Is it how one of them demonstrates nonverbals or body language in reaction to the other person? Rather than trying to, to, you know, eat the pie all in one bite, you know, let's break it down to something smaller. And I think that's going to help Melissa really get clear on what it is that she wants to change. And so that's part Mm -hmm. one of my advice. Um, Mm -hmm. Before I kick it back to you, Suzanne, though, I'm going to give one other piece that I think is tied to that, if that's okay with you. Sure. Sure. So the other, I think, exercise that you can do here, Melissa, is if you want to When we ask you to start small and to think about the very specific behaviors that you want to change, one activity that can be helpful is for you to just sit down with a piece of paper and brain dump every single thing that each one of these people does that you struggle with. And then I want you to go back through and I want you to differentiate between what things on this list are quirks of personality versus what things on this list are actually harmful behaviors. They're things that do harm to culture or morale or communication. Things that are quirks of personality, we cross those out because that's not a battle worth fighting. When you circle the things that are harmful, the behaviors that maybe are, are contributing to problems, then you choose your battles based on one or two of those. So that kind of mm-hmm. quirks versus behaviors exercise can be helpful. I like that advice to Joe, because if you're giving advice, you want it to be specific and relevant, something that they can connect to, like, oh, yeah, I remember that meeting. And they can maybe talk about their intentions or what they thought or how they read the, the, the situation, because 
just like you said, you're not a, a licensed therapist. Mm-hmm. Um, leaders are not licensed psychologists. So right. you don't want to go too deep and dive and make all kinds of assumptions about where you think they're coming from. You want to identify, isolate that behavior in any conversation you have, be willing to listen and understand their their perspective. Because those differences in styles do show up in what's important to somebody. You, know, you might have somebody where quality and getting things right is the flag they wave, right? So they enter every conversation with, how do I make sure this is perfect? Mm-hmm. Where th- another person, maybe one of these characters, looks at every situation like, ooh, how can I influence them? Or I want to make their day. Or I'm more concerned about the impact I have rather than the what the other person would perceive as the quality of the work. Yeah. So really, you know, if you, I think helping isolate those behaviors helps you step back and maybe take look at it in in uh, a better perspective or informed perspective. And here's what I love about what you just said. It's a reminder to Melissa not to spend all her energies making up the story about why people show up in this mm-hmm. way. That what she really needs to focus on is the what. It's the behavior, not the person. It's the behavior. It's the routines. It's the habits. It's the patterns that we see these folks engaging in. And so when we ultimately sit down with one or both of these folks, we are speaking about behavior, which we can do mm-hmm. in a really objective way that doesn't trigger mm-hmm. defensiveness versus if, if we kind of try to psychoanalyze, well, your personality type is X, that's going to lead you to do this. We can really step in it, can't we? We, we sure could. And you don't want to be insulting mm-hmm. or making assumptions that are offensive to anybody in those situations to, to neutralize it. Like you know, what you said, neutral language is a safe space. I'm not dissing you as a human being, right? I'm, I'm showing you and something, maybe creating an awareness that you had, didn't have maybe a blind spot that when you show up this way, this is the impact. I think helping mm-hmm. people understand the impact of that behavior that you've identified is crucial. I also think Melissa has an opportunity to set her expectations around communication. Yeah. So maybe she's not at the point where pulling him into a room, which is my favorite. Listen, mm-hmm. we need to learn how to get along. Uh, it feels like an intervention. I maybe wouldn't go that far unless you've seen conflict because they yeah. may think they're getting along and you're observing something that isn't in their yeah. uh, reality. So um, I think being willing to be transparent with your expectations or the cultural expectations, what are the values of your organization that maybe you're not? So how do you connect those behaviors to what's important to you, but also the organization? So you're building context around that. And those could be, be individual important. feedback conversations based on the yeah, observations sure. of the leader. Hey, I noticed in this situation, you responded this way. And I want to encourage you to think differently about that and to engage in these mm-hmm. behaviors instead, because you know how you showed up wasn't in accordance with our values of, of respect or courtesy or, or communication or teamwork whatever they are. Um, And so I I completely agree with you. Pulling them both in together is... It can be an appropriate step at a stage of trying to solve the problem, but it's probably not a good first step. But, you know, let's talk for a second about... What is a good first step, Suzanne? One of the first things I thought about when I saw this question is all the work that both you and I have done using various instruments that help team members both develop self-awareness for how their own unique personality and style and preferences influence how they show up, but also giving folks some insight into other people's preferences Mm -hmm. and how they show up and how, even though it may be different from me, there is still value in it and it's still needed and important. And so it does feel Mm -hmm. like maybe there's an opportunity here for Melissa to do some work around that, to give some folks some insight and some vocabulary. 
Oh, I agree. I think that education around it, um, kind of a neutral third party tool or instrument to, to bring some clarity. So isn't just Melissa saying so, mm-hmm. even though she might do it eloquently and with confidence and all the things, sometimes that third party coming in or that, that instrument that's valid or scientific um, yep. plays a role. I just got off a coaching call with someone today and we walked through their disc profile. So, you mm-hmm. know, that's my favorite, yeah. uh, but there are many great instruments out there. Make sure they're valid mm-hmm. and reliable. And I would stay away from the free ones because yes. you don't get any support and you don't know, you know, what really what's behind that other than, you know, clickbait. So yep. I think education, objectivity, helping people understand, um, self-awareness. I think the, the golden rule or the lesson to learn here is tolerance and respect for other styles. Mm-hmm. Um, I learned the hard way that I thought everyone would like me because I'm you know, I'm enthusiastic and I'm positive and, you know, but my style could be off-putting to somebody yeah. else who's more inclined to just give me the data. I need more analytics, less fluff yep. Yep. and really respecting that's okay. It doesn't make them bad. It's just different and different is not bad. It's how are you willing to adapt to try to get different results to improve that relationship? That's the yeah. key. And I think if Melissa's in the early stages of trying to solve this, then maybe bringing an instrument or or that kind of learning experience to the whole team is a good first step. That way it doesn't make these two folks feel targeted. I I think that can be overwhelming to pull them together. Hey, you two are oil and water. So complete this 62 questionnaire, 62 question instrument, uh, and we're going to (laughs) figure out what makes you tick. That's going to probably be experienced in an uncomfortable way. But if we pull the team together for a retreat and we do that kind Mm -hmm. of work and we create some aha moments around people own unique style, then Melissa can sit down with those folks a little bit down the line and say, hey, you know, I I kept thinking about the two of you and some of the ways in which, you know, you have worked well together, but some of the ways in which you are diametrically incompatible. And I think you've probably experienced that. So how are we going to work through that together? How you work through it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a team after that often is building your rules of engagement. Like maybe we have some discussion on how we deal with disagreements or how Mm -hmm. we deal with um, reviewing items for their quality, whatever. I I think that's cool just to have open dialogue, neutral language to discuss that. And one more thing I wanted to say about what not to do, and you you almost, you touched on it there, is don't treat it like so many people have treated the dress code Mm -hmm. violation. You get everybody in the room and say, we want you all to be reminded of the dress code. Please sign your acknowledgement before you leave the room. And you're all looking around like, well, it's not me. We all know who it is. So you don't do the blanket statement where you're afraid or you're showing, you know, everyone gets punished for the behaviors of a few. Um, but with DISC, it goes deeper. It's more for true team building. And then you gives you that springboard from which to go and have the one-on-one conversations if you need to. Yes, I could tell you stories about watching (laughs) leaders who were afraid of or made uncomfortable by the conversation that needed to happen with, say, two people or even one person. And so they go the passive aggressive route, which is where I'm going to email the code of conduct to everybody and talk about how upset I was by how you behaved in the meeting. And it's just this kind of awkward blanket penalization of everybody um, that allows me to avoid an uncomfortable conversation as a supervisor. Well, yeah, and your good employees are paranoid, and the ones who needed to hear it, yes. it they didn't hear it. It was That's gone right. the minute it, right. it entered the in- inbox, so. Well, let's give yeah. uh, Melissa one more piece of advice, and I think that's related to if and when the time comes to pull these two people together. Um, Because I do think there are times when that's an important step for a supervisor. If you've done some one-on-one feedback, 
and uh, you're not seeing some change, we might need to pull these two folks together and set some early ground rules to say, listen, there's obviously conflict here. Um, I'm being pulled into it in a third party kind of way, but you're both mature adults and I'm very confident that we can find a way to work together. And so what I wanna do is I wanna open up the lines of communication between the two of you so we can start to figure out a way for us to work well together. And then from there, you can set some ground rules about the kind of communication that you wanna take place. Um, you wanna encourage them to talk to each other, not just to talk to me as the person facilitating the meeting. I don't want them to talk to me. I want them to talk to each other. I don't want them to use words like you I want them to frame what they're saying in terms of I. Uh, I want them to try to describe their concerns uh, around what they experience, not what you do. Um, mm -hmm. I, you know, and you have to set some ground rules around tone and name calling and just mm -hmm. some things that will keep that on the even keel. Um, I, sure. I think that could be a good start. I do yeah. think if that doesn't go well, than a second, more direct meeting. I've I've seen supervisors who have done two or three of these meetings, and when it doesn't get fixed, they end up pulling the two people in the room and saying, "Listen, you all mm -hmm. gonna have to figure out a way to make this work, and yeah. uh, you're not coming out of here until you do." And so I'm walking out of the room. Stay here. Yep. You you're gonna report back to me in an hour or seven or whatever it takes to figure out how this is gonna work. Um, mm -hmm. That can really backfire, but that can work. Well, it can. You know, we're trying to you know, provide the care and support of professionals mm -hmm. who are adults. So even, you know, you're a parent, I'm a parent. And we mm -hmm. think about the times where, wait, are we enabling certain behaviors yeah. because they always have this channel of to tattle to, yeah. um, and in work, maybe complain to or vent to, which venting's fine. It's normal. But as leaders, how do we take that information when it comes to us and turn it back around in, in yes. a constructive way to help them have the conversations um, and, and work through it because that's, what's going to be sustainable, right? If they, they break, build that bond and trust yeah. between the two of them. Absolutely. Um, and we forget, you know, we forget that most adults in the workplace really don't know how to give feedback to other adults. Mm -hmm. We have mm -hmm. to coach them. You know, if you're planning mm -hmm. that meeting where you're pulling the two of them in together, maybe you sit down with each individually and you say, I'm going to plan this meeting and I'm going to ask you to share your concern with this person. And we're going to practice that right now so we can make sure that the packaging it, it makes the meeting work. And we coach people on how to both give feedback and receive feedback that can help those meetings to, to mm. be more effective. I love that. And I, I think any personality assessment helps you understand as a leader, how can I put this message or information in a way that's most likely to be heard by this person based on their personality? Am I going to use more fact and reason or am I going to be more um, encouraging and more salesy, right, in, in, yep. in the idea that I want them to hear? Well, one Melissa, more thing, Joe. No, yeah, go I, ahead. I have one more thing. So you, you sent me this, you know, as, and th this morning as I'm going through my, my morning scroll, right, yeah. with my coffee, this the image popped up and it said, you cannot talk butterfly language with caterpillar people. Ooh. And I'm like, well, it could be taken a lot of ways. There were a lot of comments, but I took it. People are different. They yeah. are born as a caterpillar or as a butterfly or as a puppy dog or as an eagle, whatever it might be. And we need to find the language that is most likely to resonate with them, especially as leaders. If we take mm -hmm. a servant leader approach that I'm going to meet them where they are so that they can hear me, yes. um, I think that's important. And maybe that's really what comes out of any mediation that takes place, which is mm -hmm. 
we have to agree that we're not going to require the other person to show up more like us all the time. That's inauthentic and it's not realistic. What what that conversation is really about is where do I need to become more adaptable, but also more tolerant and more understanding and figure out how to work within the 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 realities of each person's style and personality, uh, with the exception, of course, being, as we said earlier, if there is behavior that is doing harm, then the leader has to step in and engineer that out sure. wherever possible. But if it's just quirks Absolutely. of personality, if it's differences, we've got to figure out how to be adaptable and tolerant. Absolutely. Good. I think she's going to be fine. I think we, you gave her some, we gave her some good advice, but I also, as a farm girl to a farm girl, I know <laughs> that she's got the skills to, to figure this out in the heart and the work ethic. That's and good. if none of that happens, then yeah, time together. No, I'm kidding. All right, friends. <laughs> uh, well, if, if you paid attention, what you realize is that this was a question that was submitted by one of our listeners and you can do the exact same thing. If you're struggling with a situation at work, if there are circumstances you find yourself in and you're wondering, uh, maybe if I can get some advice on this, we love those kinds of questions. You can email the show at bossbetternow at gmail.com. That's bossbetternow at gmail.com. Send us your boss question, and we might answer it live here on the show. All right, friends, that brings us to the camaraderie question of the week. Bosses build camaraderie on teams by making it easier for people to find things in common with each other. That's why here on our show every week, we give you a question that you can use at meetings to facilitate connection and build camaraderie. I'm kind of shocked that we've not done this question on the show before, Suzanne. Obviously, we're, we're like 83 episodes deep into the history of this podcast, and we have not asked this question before. Seems like an easy one, and, and it's one that maybe a lot of teams have already tackled, but if not, here you go. What did you want to be when you were small? Well, a couple of things I have to offer because, you know, one answer is, you know, boring. So yeah, first, our show. I thought, we can give as many answers as we want. Right. And I thought, well, what, what did I want to be? And I went towards that professional, the goals thing. And, and I've got a little one there for you. But honestly, what I remember thinking is I just want to be happy. Oh, so for some reason it was like how, and I wanted to, I know I wanted to be around people, mm -hmm. but how I want to be happy. So when I think about the goals and how I formed my life, it's, it may feel a little selfish, but you know, you get the better me, the happier I am, the more people, you know, the value I bring to the table. So mm -hmm. keep me happy. But, and I think about, I remember pretending to play office, like I had a desk and a phone. I don't know what I was doing or producing. There was that, so that some kind of executive or but as I got older and started to understand what careers were and think, mm -hmm. look, think beyond things like nurse and teacher and fireman, um, I remember being at a student council event, probably seventh or eighth grade, and this former basketball star, I'm sorry, I don't remember her name, spoke to us after we had eaten, mm -hmm. after dinner. And so I came out of that, I want to be an after dinner speaker. <laughs> Which they don't even use that term anymore, right? That's great. <laughs> so I'm going to be an after dinner speaker. So it's it's so funny because and then you can watch my career as mm -hmm. you know I've been in front of people a lot, uh, a lot of time on a mic or in front of a room. So I see I see and to during have meals. That. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Eat amongst yourselves and try That's to listen right. while I keep talking. Right. 
Don't That's be distracted fantastic. by desserts. That's right. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to try to speak over the clanging of the silverware. Yes. 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 By the way, a little pro tip for those of you planning meetings or events. No speaker wants to speak during a meal. None of them do. When you say, would it be okay if we, if you spoke while people eat, they're going to grin and smile and say, sure. But I charge extra for that. Uh, well, the thing is that's social time, right? When people it eat, they want to chat with each other. They want to hang out. They want to catch up. They don't want to have to chew quietly so they can hear the speaker. It just never works. No. Yeah. No. Well, that's a cool answer. Thank you for that. You're welcome. My pleasure. All right. I had to think about this one for me. Um, I have very few memories of early childhood. I don't know if everybody else has this experience, but I feel like before 12, I got nothing. It's blank. I, I have no recall. Total oblivion. Yeah. yeah. Um, so here's what I remember. I remember... Uh, my dad served in the army and then he built houses. And I remember not wanting to do those things. I worked for my dad a lot of summers and, and um, in, in on weekends and things like that and learned a lot of things. I'm pretty handy because of that sort of thing. Uh, but it never really appealed to me as a job. I do remember early on friends of mine telling me that I was going to be a rapper. Yeah, true. <laughs> I had, I had friends Yay. in like middle school who were like, because I would like sing along with the rap music that was on the radio and I could spit a little bit and they would be like, you're All really right. good at that. Or I would make up things that rhymed and they were like, oh yeah, you're sure. going to be a rapper. Um, and then, you know, I got into high school and I discovered music and theater and I really kind of fell in love with all of that and and wanted to be on stage. Um, but what's funny is that I had also written down, I played office when I was a kid. I don't know, maybe that's like a universal <laughs> that. experience. Yeah, we had this basement. My sister and I, we had these old desks down there. So we would set up the desks and my mom brought home a bunch of random office supplies because she worked in an yes. insurance agency. And we would set up our desks and, and call and place orders and write receipts. And I remember doing that for hours. And, you know, what's funny now is that I'm on a stage and I run an office. And so maybe it all sort of Melted it manifests itself for you too. Wouldn't you love to have the video footage of whatever it is we were saying or buying or selling way back then? What were we writing down? I think I right. had the message book that was in triplicate where you take a message if yes. someone called. I had that from my dad's office and, um, you know, legal pad and stapler. And yeah. Pen I always love pens and pencils. Mom yes. will tell me if we went to Murphy's Mart and she lost me, I'm in the stationary yes. section. It's a very unique affliction, it isn't in. it, that we love that it sort is. of thing? Yeah. What's mm -hmm. funny is that during the COVID quarantine, when all the schools sh shut down in March and April and May of 2020, um, I still went to my office to do some work because it was on a side of the building where nobody else was. And a couple of times I would bring the kids with me because they were been yeah. stuck at home. And I got the idea at one point because it's an office. And I have desks. And so I set up for them two little uh, work areas so they could play like my sister and I would play. And I thought, oh, they're going to love this. It's going to entertain them for hours. No, no. They sat down and they had fun for like 10 minutes and they were like, can I play yeah. on my iPad? Yeah. And I'm like, oh, man, that, the screens are rotten. That type of play isn't what it used to be. We had nothing else. Yeah. We <laughs> had to make it work for sure. I, that's um, like bring your kids to work day. I brought my son. Gosh, she was probably nine or 10 mm -hmm. at the time. And so now if you still ask him what I do for a living, why well, stand in front of the room and throw koosh balls at people? Because that's all <laughs> he can remember. I was doing orientation and I was using koosh balls when you could spread germs 
at will uh, back then, right? Yeah. Um, and they don't even make Koosh balls anymore. I don't think so. Some people might not even know what I'm talking about. But anyway, that's, that's what really he had this visualization I, I knew exactly of what, what I you meant. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that reminds me of the time that um, preschool sent home. You know, they do the little questionnaires where they ask the kids questions and they write in their answers. Yeah. And one of the questions was, "Where does your dad work?" And the answer was, "In the dining room." <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> when I was it's starting my business and was doing work in the dining room. Yeah. So that's the a truth. good one. I love it. That's a good one. Yeah, they All can right. never tell people what I did. That's okay. I love it. Well, that yeah. is the camaraderie question of the week. All right, friends. Well, don't forget, you can get other extra different advice articles and resources from me by subscribing to our twice a month boss better email newsletter every other tuesday i send out a short punchy and if i do say so myself quite enjoyable email newsletter filled with advice encouragement humor the occasional video links to articles all in service of helping you boss better. If you want to make sure you get those, all you have to do is text the word boss hero to 66866. That's boss hero, all one word, to 66866. Don't worry, we don't spam you. We never sell our email list. It's really just another way that we fulfill our mission of filling workplaces with better bosses. All right, Suzanne, that brings us to the final segment of our show this week. We have a boss script. Suzanne, have you ever had the experience where someone pops into your office or they call you on the phone and they say, I need to tell you something. And that tell you something turns into a lengthy, unending monologue. Have you had that experience? I sure have. And sometimes even with all the best nonverbal clues, yes. they keep going. Yes. Maybe you've got a hard stop because there's a meeting coming yep. up or you're you're on a deadline for a project or you've got another call that you need to take. Maybe this is a person who is historically known for doing this, right? There is no 60-second conversation with Phil. When Phil pops in the <laughs> office, Phil is, is delivering a 20-minute soliloquy before he gets to the point. And so I think this is a shared experience by a lot of people, whether you're a leader or not. I think we all have somebody in our life like that. <laughs> And I think it could be challenging to figure out a diplomatic way to ask people to get to the point. Well, I had an experience this weekend that to me ended up giving me a kind of boss script that I thought I would share with our audience. I was... Uh, just getting out of the shower, this was on a weekend and we were running 12 different places, right? Two different kids on two different soccer teams and my daughter's got her theater thing and then a birthday party that we're supposed to take her to and we're just on a clock. And I get out of the shower and um, my wife pops up to the bathroom. She said, hey, I need to tell you something. And I said, okay. And she kind of launches into this story about this interaction that she had with my son. And, and he did this, and then I said that, and then he did this, and I said that. And I was standing there. I'm not dressed yet. I'm like in the bathroom. I want to come out and get dressed. This is taking an odd turn in this story. But I didn't want to you know, be disrespectful and be like, yo, babe, can you get to the point? So I kind of had that moment where I'm like, how do I ask her to skip to the end? And so I said, hey, can I stop you for a second? And she stopped and I said, I need to get dressed because we got to be out the door in like two minutes. Can you give me the headline and fill in the rest of the story later? And she went, 
don't complain when you see Henry about what he's wearing because it was a huge production just to get him into that. I said, got it. Perfect. And it was perfect, right? And I don't, yeah. I kind of don't know where that came from other than like in that moment, I still wanted to be a, a caring partner to my yeah. wife. I didn't want to be like, oh my God, get to the end, you know, <laughs> which sometimes is what we're thinking it's when Phil thinking. pops in the yeah. office, right? right? Right. But I really kind of thought that was a neat turn of phrase. Hey, can you give me the headline? And then fill in the story a little bit later. And then that little bit of explanation as to why of saying, yep. you know, I, I got to be in a meeting or I've got another call coming in in like one minute. And I care about what you're telling me, but I just need yeah. the Cliff Notes version. Have you had successful ways of doing that or have you used other language around that, Suzanne? I, I have. And I, I love that idea because th what you really want to do is not be dismissive. You want yeah. to show empathy that you care. Um, so I like it for two ways. It's it's polite, right? Can you give me the headline? And for me, I often, I know I've done this with my team. Can you give me the bottom line? Uh-huh. Which, you know, gives me, or the bullet points or get, you know, either way. I kind of like yours. I think it's a little nicer, honestly. Mm. But what we're trying to do is get them, you're, these people who are coming into our offices or into our bathrooms are verbal processors, <laughs> right? They are processing out here externally, yes. other styles process internally. Um, so they may sit silent on something before they even tell you for a long time because they're trying to find the words. But what it forces, whether it's the headline or the bottom line, yeah. is let's speed up that processing. Let's get it to something that's palatable and consumable. And of course, I would like to give this some thought and come back to you, or we can consider the conversation or even an email. What's the least I need to know yeah. to do something with this? is also yeah. a good question. In, yeah. I was thinking email, but I guess it could happen in or person. Or what's so the least one thing know. you need me to yes. know yes. about this? Or what's yes. the one thing you need me to do is sometimes a, yeah. a script that can be helpful. And I think it's important to acknowledge that the, the trust and the respect that you have built over time is going to influence how this lands. Mm -hmm. If you don't mm -hmm. know this person well, you're going to have to be careful because this might, this might feel like they're being dismissed. But if you have not dismissed them previously, if you have uh, nurtured Catching. that relationship, right? If Yes, if you have a little bit of that in place, then I think this can be an effective way to uh, accelerate the conversation in a way that's beneficial to everybody Move it involved. Along. Yes. yes, because they have a need. You need to recognize it and uh, address it as best you can in the little time you have left. So I think that's spot on, Joe. Fabulous. So give it a try, folks. And I would love to hear if you used it, how it worked, or if it didn't. And that's our boss script. All right, folks, that's our show this week. Thanks for hanging out with us for a little while. And if you liked what you heard, as always, we appreciate your shares. We appreciate you going out into the world and telling other people about the Boss Better Now podcast. So take this here episode, share it on your Facebook page, on your LinkedIn profile, and encourage other boss heroes of the world to join us each week for Boss Better Now. In the meantime, thanks for being with us, and thanks for all that you do to care for so many. This show is sponsored by Joe Mall and Associates. Remember, commitment comes from better bosses. Visit JoeMall.com today.